Buckle up, everyone. <laughs> Cover your <Info>. children's ears. <laughs> <or>. <laughs> Today's episode contains explicit trail banter. Trail banter. Listener discretion is advised. Splash at episode! Hey, what's going on? Check out trainingforalter.com for our new wraps. We have a green one, a pink one, reasonably priced. And who doesn't need a wrap? I always have one around my wrist or my neck. It's getting cold out. Also, Patreon supporters, you'll get your shout out or two here shortly. And just appreciate your support throughout this. And I'm excited to do a virtual treasure hunt. For more information, you Patreon supporters will get the first kind of inside view as to how this will work. But it should be fun. It should be motivating. We'll see how it goes. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Era Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, Stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles per day that I'm running. 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 151 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a great episode. I think you guys will be really excited uh, to hear part two. The cliffhanger is resolved here. So uh, wanted to give a quick shout out to you Patreon supporters. Danny, the newest member you know, within that closed Facebook group, let's hopefully give him a, uh, a welcoming. But Brian Sands, giant supporter, really appreciate it. David, York Beach runner, Landon, Pat, Jared, Ray, Todd, Matthew, Scott, you guys have all been huge supporters and that shout out tier. Really appreciate it. And then I also wanted to give a little extra shout out to longtime supporters. These are people that have supported since Patreon even started for the Training for Ultra podcast. Nathan, Garrett, Joshua, Lori, Ruthie, Kat, Rob, Travis, James, David, Shanna, Trina, Jessica, Susan, and James Schischler, he's been a supporter. He's the longest supporter of the Training for Ultra podcast. 35 months he's been a Patreon supporter. Just can't thank you enough. So hopefully I'm putting out content that you're enjoying. You're finding this to be of value because there's a heck of a lot of podcasts out there. There's so much content 
And all I want to do is inspire you to get out for that extra run that you might pass up on or help you get to that finish line during that race. So hopefully I'm doing my job. Big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried them out, feel free to use my promo code, referral code 252888 to save 15% off your first order. Also, big thank you to Exoskin. They're having a big holiday sale. So check that out. The code in the in the show notes, and it should give you one of their best discounts available. So I think they're even throwing in on certain orders above certain thresholds, like a free skull cap. But I love their toe socks, love all their gear, very high-tech material that doesn't stink. It's really well made. Uh, last but not least, Kogala. If you haven't tried out a waist belt during pitch dark, black nights, it's game-changing. Like, I truly can't imagine running through the night during a race without one, having used one so many times now. So check that out. Show notes should have a discount code if you need one. So we're joined here by Alyssa Clark again. This is the after the FKT attempt. And also longtime friend of the show, Michelle Barton. How are you, Michelle? Hey, Rob. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, so... I'm good. So awesome to have you, Michelle. I've heard so many great things, heard your voice, and... I am honored to uh, be chatting with you. Thank you so much. And I'm honored to talk to you. And let's dig into what you've been up to the past few days. Yeah, seriously. That's, I'm going to step back. And Alyssa, I got to hear the details here. Because it sounds like you... I mean, take us back to mile one. I, I want to hear it all. Yeah. So first okay. of all, Alyssa, can you just tell us... Um, like exactly what you were trying to do, like what your goal was and what trail it was in the distance and just like um, that kind of thing, like start from the very beginning. Absolutely. So um, I chose to take on an FKT attempt for the Pinhoti Trail, which starts in Silicaga or for or Flag Mountain um, in Alabama, the town of Silicaga. Um, and it's actually the beginning of the Appalachian Mountains, the true beginning. Um, and then it ends in northern Georgia. Um, and you can actually connect it to um, the beginning of the Appalachian Trail through a 70-mile trail. Um, so it's it's a really cool part of, I think, the East Coast history and East Coast mountain range. Um, so my goal was to take on 350 miles self-supported um, and mm-hmm. set and FKT hopefully breaking six days. There's no woman's record supported, self-supported or unsupported. So the challenge still stands there, ladies. Um, so I want to see it happen. But uh, the men's yeah. record was six days and like 17 hours. So I was hoping to break six days. Um, so that was kind of, it's 50,000 feet of climbing. Um some a fair amount of road sections in Georgia, um, but a lot mm-hmm. of really fun technical trail um, on some parts. I didn't actually realize how much awesome trail Alabama has, and so this was a fantastic way to see it. So that was really cool. Yeah, so what made you choose that particular trail? So 
I was looking for something. Um, I'm currently in Florida, and I was looking for something that was kind of nearby, so it's only a four-and-a-half-hour drive from me. Uh, and I mm-hmm. really wanted to see a part of the country that I don't really know a lot about nor have spent a lot of time in. Um, so the southern U.S. is a very... Um, unique area of our country and I've spent more time outside of the U.S. Um, haven't lived in the continental U.S. in five years so really wanted to see this part of the world and um, thought it looked like a great trail. I thought 350 miles is a really interesting distance um, as well yeah. and I, I really wanted to take on the challenge of self-supported so that that was all kind of it those trails were hard i mean from the few photos i saw it looked like not completely unmarked but i mean describe (laughs) (laughs) describe some of that yeah so um the marking can be pretty tricky uh luckily there and there's an app called gut hooks uh which is a really good app highly recommend it if you're doing the at pct I know any of those, um, but yeah, I got lost a few times. Um, I think it gets even trickier the further up you get in sections. But yeah, there is a one section um, that I hit basically the first twenty miles of my second day. It was like I was in the White Mountains, so really big rocks, very technical. Yeah. It took me a long time. Um, to get through 20 miles. And I love technical trail, but this was challenging. It was beyond what I expected. And I was like, touche, Alabama, I see you. (laughs) Yeah, because you just mentioned that you were like newly back into the States. So previously you were in Europe. Yes. Right? So those trails there are hardcore and gnarly I I know Rob's run there, and um, so are you saying like Alabama is just very technical? Um, not all of it, but right around yeah. so the highest mountain is Cheha State Park, and the trail goes up Cheha. So I would say there's about like twenty twenty five miles of some really nice hard technical trail. There's other sections of it that yeah. are super cruisy, super beautiful. Um, so it's really a nice variety, but I would put that section on Chiha up against some of the hardest technical trail out there going up. Um, so that was pretty cool. I was, I felt back at home on that. Yeah. Did you train on the trail ahead of time before the FKT or you just went for it? Um, so I went up for a training weekend. So I spent, I did about the first 70 miles of the trail. Um, I did not do the last little bit up Chiha, um, but I did see the first part of it. So, you know, there was still a lot that I hadn't seen, but I wasn't a complete newbie to it, which was good. Right. How did you decide to do it self-supported? Or you just want to be a badass, completely (laughs) do it on your own? (laughs) Um, you know, a lot of the reason I've, every run I've done has been supported. And so, uh, this was kind of my chance to see if I could really do it on my own. Um, and you know, I'm always trying to reduce impact, especially right now with COVID, um, on, you know, other people and flying people in or people driving in. So really was trying to minimize that. 
Um, and, and one of my big goals is to kind of show women that, yes, we have to be safe, but we shouldn't allow ourselves to be deterred from going after what we really want and chasing after goals yeah. um, on our own. Uh, so that was also an aspect of it. But yeah, I really wanted to test myself and see if I could rely on you know my own skills and, and really practice that. So that was a big aspect of it. Yeah, that's really daring. And I mean, much respect to that. that that's a long way to go, unsupported. Um, <laughs> what is the longest run you've done before that attempt? So the like longest... training. Ah, in training. Um, well, the longest I'd done before was about 140 miles in Tour de Jean. Um, so oh, nice. Yeah, not the whole thing though, but that's yeah. <laughs> we'll get there one day. That's that's a long term goal. Um, yeah. But in training, I, I'd done a 50 miler. Um, I'd done a bunch of like back to back to back, 25 to 30 milers with a pack. Um, so I was right. carrying like a 10 you to 12 pound pack. You did um, a, a marathon back to 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 back, <laughs> to back 95 times. That's pretty good training. That, it wasn't bad. But a big difference between one of the things I did find, though, is that when you're on trail and especially that those few rocky sections that really beats your feet up. And that's not something you can really train for on pavement. And I thought, oh, you know, I've mm. done so much work. Um, my ligaments and tendons are pretty strong, but there's a difference of rocky terrain on your feet. And it, my feet were hurting a bit. And, you know, I have great shoes. I have great socks. But, you right. know, that's that's a, a muscle thing you do have to get used to. And Did and you, and, did you have to retrain yourself? Like, are your footsteps not going up? as high as maybe they used to or like is your cadence slightly slower or like um, have you noticed I, any of those changes so luckily i was able to go home to vermont for about two weeks in september and then that like four or five day um spurt in Pinhoti. so i felt like i did have a solid amount of trail time if i had just gone straight from training in florida to doing that, I think it would have been a lot worse. And normally I do, right. if I have been running a lot on flat, um, just uh, we've lived in a lot of places and sometimes I can't always get hills. Um, I do find the first week or two I fall a lot and it's just me getting, you know, my trail legs back. Um, but it's more just wear and tear of your feet. Just, you know, there's rocks poking up and stuff and it's like, ouch, that hurts a little bit more than than I'm used to. Yeah. And you weren't able to really change your shoes or did you change your socks at all during uh, the run? Gosh, that was a mistake I made. Um, no. Uh -huh. So yeah, I, um, I had <laughs> as my co I, I just chatted with my coach about it yesterday and he goes, you know, sometimes on runs, you kind of have everything stacked against you from the first mile, whether you know it or not. And this was uh -huh. a little bit of that run. Um, so I can, I'm happy to get into that of kind of how things transpired and, and how things kind of did end up stacking up against me. Um, let's hear it. How okay. not, how not okay, to let, run an FKT. Let's, let's, let's choke. <laughs> like, just guide, guide us through, you know, like the first 10 miles and then like when 
got really exciting. Absolutely. Like okay. when, you mean when, scary yeah. when we called Michelle? <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. When I when I, I got like an emergency text message from Rob on Saturday morning and I'm like, <laughs> call me now. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so I will just say that I went into this being like, no matter hell or high water, I'm going to finish this thing. Um, so I was really determined and I, I felt well trained for it. I planned things. I thought as well as I could, I'd put drop boxes out. Um, but you can't, so I got dropped off the mountain, started at 4.51 AM and I was like, oh gosh, I'm going. Okay. Bye. Um, so it took off Yeah, and it's still really dark and, there are a lot of creepy crawly things in Alabama. There are rattlesnakes. There oh. are um, apparently panthers, which I didn't know that. Panthers? Um, yeah, there's an Alabama panther, which is pretty cool. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> are you sure that wasn't a hallucination at my apartment? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I didn't either. But... Um, there's some poisonous spiders. There's there's some things. Um, so I was running along, and I'd run across a rattlesnake before when I was up there. And so I was, I was on edge about that. And I just hear, I'm probably like three miles in, four miles in, and I hear like something running away and then something slithering away. And I just went, <gasps> like, absolutely panicked and i started hyperventilating a little bit and i'm like i'm three miles into this it's dark and i'm panicking thinking like i can't do this in the dark i hate the dark alone and then i got over it but it was just heard it slither so this thing had some heft to it yeah it was it was a little scary Mm. um what kind of temperature like Because usually, you know, around here, the snakes come out when it's like 90, 100 degrees. So it was pretty hot or humid there. Yeah. So I Uh had done a lot of research on temperature. And what I kept seeing was end of October is 65 to 70, low of 40 in the night. And it was over 80 and high humidity. So I... Um, and it was hot when it was still dark out and I was going, this is really strange. This is very hot. Um, and so the snakes are still out when it's 80 degrees and, uh, yeah. So I was running along, the sun starts coming up. I'm feeling good, feeling great, but I, I feel my shorts and I'm like, gosh, these are as wet as when I run in Florida when it's 90, hundred degrees. I mean, it was like I'd gone swimming everything was soaked and that was within you know an hour two hours of starting and i'm thinking oh my gosh i'm gonna start chafing but this is just strange like this is really hot so um one of the other things when you're doing it self-supported is that i can't have someone meet me with water (laughs) if if i need it so you have to rely on the trail um And, you know, if you stash anything, you can get water. And people did stash a lot of water just for hikers. So I can accept that. But um, I went for one section that was 11 miles without a refill. So, you know, in 80 degrees. What section? Like, what miles was that? That you went without water? 
that was mile 18 until 29. Um, yeah, I had, so- yeah. So, and it was also, that was on pavement in um, no shade. So that definitely was hot. And I had 1.2 liters on me, which normally is yeah. plenty for me, but it just with what I was sweating, it wasn't enough. And I wasn't taking into factor that they're, you know, I'm carrying another 10 to 12 pounds. Um, so yeah. that, that's a big percentage. Um, and, you know, just heat being trapped onto you. So yeah. did you train in the sauna for the heat or anything like heat training? Um, so I just, did, it, I mean, just running in Florida, I, I yeah. am more used to it, but you know, running for four hours in heat is a lot different, um, where you can then come back and rehydrate and everything versus spending a day and then the next day <laughs> going, yeah. oh, maybe this cut up with me. Um, but so I got through that 11 miles that was on road, went back to a trail section And it was another 11 miles without water. And it was probably four to five miles into that. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm in a rough spot. Like, my mouth is really dry. And I'm not going to get water for another five miles. And I'm running really low. This is not great. Um, So that was a big – and the problem was is not only was that not going to be great – but I knew that I had a 15 mile section coming up after that without water and a pretty decent climb in that as well. So I was going, uh Oh, this is really not good. Um, so I finished that 11 mile section, got to water, stood there for a while, just drank as much as I could. But as you guys know, you can't just chug a whole yeah. bunch of water in. in yeah. that, like that's not how you reverse right. something. Um, but there really was no other water source for me. I had no other options. Can I ask you um, what your strategy was to get to that water stop there? Like the fifteen did, mile? Uh no, just the first one. I mean, it sounds like you almost start panicking, yeah. realizing like connecting the dots on the water situation. How how did you mentally and physically like get get yourself to that water stop? Um, you know, really good question. So I went, okay, I need to move as efficiently as I can. That doesn't mean as fast as I can. That means as efficiently as I can. Um, so that I'm not prolonging being out here, but I'm also not wasting energy, you know, trying to sprint up hills. Um, my other mindset was, okay, you can choose to be upset about this, but it's not going to make you it's not going to change the situation. So you can choose to think about other things. I think I put, I had some like butterscotch candies cause I'm an 80 year old woman and love <laughs> sucking on butterscotch candies. <laughs> so I had a couple of those just to kind of distract myself. Um, and That's a good I, tactic. Distraction. I like that. Yeah. I, Efficiency. I, distraction. Yeah. All right. Well, and also, I just rattlesnake. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I just kind of, it was funny because the night before I was having trouble sleeping, and I kept saying to myself, there are things in your control and there are things out of your control, and you cannot 
obsess over the things out of your control. And so I broke that down in my head and just said, this is out of your control. You cannot change it. And so obsessing over it is just going to make you miserable. So I just kind of shoved it and knew that I needed to get there um, as efficiently as I could. Um, So that was kind of how, how I dealt with it. Um, And I knew that panicking about the next section wasn't going to make anything better either. Um, But I can tell you that as soon as I realized what position I was in, I went, okay, next time I need to bring. So I had two bottles that have a um, filtration system so I can filter out of streams. And I should have brought just an extra collapsible water bottle to stick in my pack to fill up. So I had almost two liters with me. That would have been really smart. Would have, you know, added 0.001 pounds, but would have given me just a bit more water and a bit more security. Um, yeah. The life stars, life uh, straws are awesome too. And they weigh nothing. Yeah. The same thing. It's a good, yeah. Good one. I, so I was just going to say Havelina. I had a big giant Ziploc plastic yeah. bag that was like a lifesaver. And Michelle, I know you've suffered out in the Arizona sun yeah. out there. Like it's almost like you have to learn the hard way at least once before you stash that extra giant Ziploc bag or whatever it might be in your pack to have a backup system for water. Absolutely. Right. And Alyssa, so since you ran out of water for the for 11 miles, does that also mean that you ran out of electrolytes? Like you obviously can't really swallow a salt pill if you don't have anything, you know, any water or like wh- what was that? Yes. Like how did that work <laughs> out for you? Yeah. So I wasn't putting electrolytes into my water because I couldn't gunk, gunk up the filters. Um, so I was taking salt externally, but you don't want to take salt externally when you don't have any water. So I was yeah. putting my, and also you, it's really hard to eat. So that was another yeah. aspect of it. Um, and also when you're starting to feel really hot, um, that makes you not want to eat even more. Um, so it's really a compounding, um, issue and, Again, it's funny. My coach said to me, there's going to be things that you never expected to be a problem are going to be your biggest issue. And I never have an issue with hydration um, because A, I've never really had to go long periods without having some kind of out. But I can do 18 miles off of um, a little more than half a liter and I'm fine. Um, so it's strange that, I mean, I know all the reasons why that happened, but it wasn't one of the ones that I was anticipating. Um, so again, you know, unexpected things, um, can be your, your Achilles heel for sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, so going into the next section, um, filled up as much as I could, drank as much as I could hit the 15 miles and um, the sun was starting to set a little bit, which made it cooler. And that put me in a better mood. Um, I knew that after that, it would be okay for water. It'd be a little bit better. I thought, I'll just, you know, I got a little dehydrated today, but it will be fine. Um, the sun's setting. I'm moving really well. I'm 
kind of ahead of even where I thought I could be. Everything's great. Um, I was on a ridge line. It was beautiful. So at that point, I was really happy, feeling good, feeling strong. Um, felt like, okay, I can get through this last, last section. And then probably about the last two, three miles was a downhill to my, the water stop. I started getting mm-hmm. really uh, loopy. And I think it was because mm-hmm. I was really out of water. Um, and so when I got to the water, I was just kind of out of it. And again, you know, those things that you now look back on and go, oh, yep, that <laughs> that was that was a red light. And I didn't really see that. Um, but yeah. yeah. What do you mean by loopy exactly? Do you mean like you were dizzy and not stink? Like it's hard to stink normally and. Yeah, it was, so I was just having, like, I saw this water, um, but I was having trouble figuring out where I should get some and just kind of wasn't balancing as well as I should be just a little bit out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. which uh, when, again, when you're doing self-supported, you have to be under control of yourself. Um, so that's, that's really one of the big challenges of it is that you can't, you know, you can't rely on someone to shove Gatorade um, into your mouth or, you know, any of those things. You have to control yourself. Um, right. So, yeah. So and I how kind of heavily trafficked is that trail? Is it like you didn't see very many people out there along the way or how how crowded uh, is it out there? I saw. So in 64 miles, I probably saw eight people. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not un completely untrafficked, but it's not very trafficked. It's pretty yeah. spaced out. Um, that's one person so per eight miles. I got out my calculator. Yeah, that, that's not a lot. That's <laughs> yeah. not a lot. <laughs> no, it's a pretty um, rural trail. It's there's there's not a lot of room for it. You know, there's not someone who's going to be out there. You're not passing hikers every mile or two saying, do you have any extra water or anything like right. that? So um, you're like far away from civilization or like how close are towns or like houses and stuff? Um, you pass through one town. There, there are a number of road crossings, but they're very rural roads. Oh, uh-huh. um, so, so you're not getting a ton of traffic and you're not particularly close to like a gas station or houses or anything. Um, right. so, you, so you probably could flag down um, a ride if need be, but you're not, you're not within like, Oh, if I just walk down the road a few minutes, I'll hit something. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What was going through your mind when you like realized that you were a little bit loopy and out of it? And what mile was that at? Ah, uh, that was at about fifty-five. Um, right. I I think I thought, okay, I need to solve this. I'm not in a great spot right now. What does that mean? It means I'm probably dehydrated. It means I need to eat something. Um, those are my two biggest concerns. So I drank a lot of water there. I took some salt. I ate something. Um, and also knew that the night was coming, so it would be cooler. 
um, and hoping that I could kind of um, pull it back together, but also knew that I'd put in a lot of running that day so that I did, I could hike a fair amount more for a while and uh, that would be okay. Right. Um, So after that, I did about another, well, so I had planned to push until about midnight that night, but I hit the 55 miles at about five o'clock and I was shooting to hit around 65 miles per day. And so Uh again, with the self-supported, you can't get yourself so sleep deprived that you're wandering around. So I ended up, um, getting to 64 miles that day, found a good spot, um, to camp. And then my plan was to get to bed early by about nine o'clock and then get up at like two or two 30 and move also when it was a little bit cooler. Um, so I slept fine. Everything was good. And I also knew I was tackling probably the hardest section of the trail next, which is the, the Chiha that we were talking about. Um, yeah. Can I ask you really quick what, what setting up camp is like during the FKT? Yeah, what's that? Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I just don't know what that even means. I've never attempted like something like that. Like a bivy sack? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is a bivy. Yeah, so I, um, well, my husband, I should say, found this awesome bivy that is, it's an outdoor research bivy, and it just fits. I had a thermorest sleeping pad, like the Neolite. So I blew that up. Um, and then the bivy has a teeny tiny little uh, camping pole. And so it's basically just like the bivy and then a little pop-up part so that there's a bit more room for your head. And then it has a zipper that goes around um, with some mesh. So it's a little bit more room. Oh. But then it was, so it was setting that up. And then I ate like a bigger bar for dinner, <laughs> dinner, brushed my teeth, um, made sure everything was charging. So like my Garmin inReach, my watch, um, my phone. And then I um, set my alarm and fell asleep and, and, and so made sure like, what is the purpose of the bivy? And then also, is it like super hot in there or or is it comfortable um so i get very cold uh it does trap heat if i had zipped it up um completely so it does have like a mesh vent at the headspace so that allowed for more circulation um but it definitely does trap a fair amount of heat even with that but i also had a silk liner and a puffy jacket as kind of like my blankets but it did get colder in the night and also just when I mean you know when you've put out that much effort and then you stop and your sweat dries and you get cold very easily even if it's not you know it was probably 50 but I you know your temperature just drops so fast um but I didn't get too cold but I did have like the silk liner and the puffy jacket um on me too so where did you set up camp? Like, cause you mentioned snakes and stuff, but like, where did you decide to set up your bivy? Um, so I found a, a basically just down the side of the trail. It was supposed to be a tent site. Uh, and it didn't really mm-hmm. end up being one, but in all honesty, as I kind of anticipated that I was tired enough, 
I didn't care that much. Yeah. I was like, well, if a snake comes, I'm zipped in here. And I also, one of the ways that I rationalize things to myself is that human beings are animals. So I'm an animal. Do I want to be around other animals? No, not really. So do other animals want to be around me? No, not really. So (laughs) that was my logic. I was like, well, they probably want to be around me less than I want to be around them. So I'm just going to assume that they're going to stay away from me unless I do something (laughs) silly. When the Alabama panther starts smelling your butterscotch candies, it's coming for you. I have heard that that is one of their favorite delicacies, so I should have been more <laughs> careful. You got lucky. Yeah. How did you charge your inReach and charge your phone and everything? Um, so I brought chargers, um, like very small chargers, and I also had chargers in all my resupply boxes. So I had resupply oh, boxes okay. stashed about every 50 to 60 miles, um, and that was mm. good enough. Uh, to keep everything charged. But yeah, it's always a little nerve wracking where you're like, oh my gosh, if any of these systems fail, um, you know, you only have so many backup options you can bring. But uh, yeah, everything, everything was good. And I'll be honest, I was pretty darn cozy in my, my little bivy setup. I actually slept way Uh better than I thought. Um, So that was nice. Did you... Did you find any like massive bl- like bugs the next morning? I didn't. On your bivy or no? No. Um, surprisingly, no, because there are some enormous spiders there. Yeah, that creeps oh. me out. So, yeah. Yep. I was very glad. None of them decided to take a little nap with me. So, <laughs> I was pretty pleased. So, how long was this nap at night? Or uh, what, like, what did you plan for? I planned, let's see, it was about five hours, which for, yeah, it was good. I mean, I woke up at like two-ish and I felt great. I felt super refreshed, um, super ready to take on the next day. Like I, I, I didn't even feel like I'd really run that much the day before. So I was like, awesome. This is going to be so good. Like day two, here we go. Um, so packed everything up, brushed my teeth again and, uh, took off, was chugging along. I had told myself also to make the nighttime a little less scary, that that's when I would listen to, uh, books on tape and podcasts. And so that really motivated me of having something to look forward to in the dark. Um, Mm. so, so I actually listened to an entire book in one day. Um, what book was it it was called thirst uh it was it was awesome actually it's about a woman setting the pacific crest trail speed record uh so it was really motivating to hear about out of her trials and tribulations um doing that so that was pretty awesome um and i will say the night before the fkt i was watching um running the triple crown so a little motivation. That's for where that. Went, that's where you went wrong. No, I'm just, no. <laughs> I'm just untrue. I'm kidding. That's crazy though. That's genius to be trying an FKT, listening to a book about someone that 
is doing an FKT for like positive reinforcement 24 seven there besides that five hours of sleep. Yeah. Well also too, it, it, she was going through similar things that I was going through and it was kind of reassuring to be like, well, she made it through. So I'll be okay. Um, I think that really helped as well. Hmm. But yeah, I mean the, the five hours of sleep, Cody kept saying to me, look, sleep like four to five hours the first three days because you have you know this is five or six days if the last two days you want to just hammer go for it but I was right on the mileage that I wanted to be at and if I pushed even harder I think I would have started getting into some deep sleep deprivation really early on Um, and so I was kind of moving faster um during the day so that I could then recover a little bit more. Um, which, yeah, which seemed okay. And again, if, if things had gone to plan, probably that third, fourth night, I would have, the third night, I probably would have slept four hours. The fourth night, I maybe would have slept two and then just gunned it. Um, but I think that sleeping did help me, um, to sort things out. And just again to stay safe, because I had to keep making rational decisions for myself. Um, right. Do you yeah. feel like your body equalized itself? Like how you told us that you had run out of water on those two sections? Like, do you feel like you kind of like caught up with your hydration? Like, um, you know, when you set up your camp and kind of just like had all your supplies and everything. Did you wake up like feeling like dehydrated or did you feel like you were feeling normal again or was anything off when you woke up? I thought I woke up feeling normal. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought that I remedied it. I honestly didn't really give much thought into the lack of water the day before. I thought, okay, that was yesterday's problem, but um, I have more water sources today. I'll be totally fine, like smooth sailing forward. Um, And that's not how bodies or ultras work. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I started climbing. Um, It felt like 20 miles of just steady climbing on really rocky terrain. Um, So it was a tough section. And right at the top, I had seen that there was a chance of rain, but I was really hoping that wasn't going to happen. And about two miles from the top where my resupply box was, it started pouring. And it it just, everything gets soaked. Um, My feet get soaked. And I was wearing Gore-Tex shoes, and Gore-Tex shoes are awesome until they saturate and when they saturate mm-hmm. yeah they don't dry i've never mm-hmm. i've never used gore-tex for that reason it keeps everything in just as well yeah. as it keeps everything out yeah, yeah. yep that sucks. <laughs> yeah huh. so i made it i made it to the top everything was still fine it was only like 10 o'clock i you know i was now over 85 miles in, about to hit. So after you get up to Chiha, it is most all downhill. And then for like 
50 miles. It is just smooth as butter, slight up, slight down, beautiful trail running. And so I was like, Mm. I'm going to cruise on this. This is going to be great. I'm going to put in so much time and miles. Um, This will be awesome. So I get to Chiha. I grab my box. I have a fresh set of clothes and baby wipes and a bathroom to use. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, And I go to the bath, go into the bathroom to change. And I go to the bathroom and I'm like, that's kind of weird. And I change my clothes and I feel like I have to pee again. So I go pee again. I'm like, that's kind of weird. And wash my hands. And then I feel like I have to pee again. I go, that's not good. And it was really, uh, so I'll give a caveat or I don't know, caveat or whatever. I am going to talk about pee. And for this episode, cover your, cover your children's books. ears. Or... <laughs> this is so explicit. Episode. <laughs> Buckle up, everyone. <laughs> um. So I noticed. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, it's very strange that I've now had the urgency to pee three times in a matter of ten minutes, probably even less. And the last time I go, that kind of looked like blood or really, really dark urine. And as any ultra runner knows, one of the the biggest red light, oh, no, my race is over, is if you start peeing blood. And it happens to the best of us. Um, Yeah. And the best, you know, the, the most elite everyone in between um but it's a big red flashing sign of something's really wrong so i kind of go no that's not it it's fine and i come out i i bought some pringles and some electrolytes and was like maybe if i just crush some salt right now that will help but again what as anyone who does ultras know, once you get sunk in a hole uh, and you're trying to put in 65 miles a day, you can't really reverse it because your body's on a steady state of decline. Um, mm. Yep. And yeah, y- you can't pull things back. Um, it's d- it doesn't work like that, really. It's just not how it is. So I'm at this point pretty grumpy and quiet. Um, because I know this is not good. So I crush some salty stuff. I start running at this point. It is pouring and I'm like, great, just pour it on right now. (laughs) This is good. But, um, heading down, there's some tiny more ups than I thought there would be, but overall cruising down and I'm starting to go more and more and I am, making it harder and harder to deny the fact that I am now peeing either excessively dark yellow urine or blood. And so I'm trying to deny that this is happening and then I'm going, okay, if you don't take care of it now, or if you don't say something, you can't resolve it. So I grab my phone I call Cody and I say, I think this is happening. And he's like, that's not good. And then he goes, try calling your doctor. And I'm like, ah, 
I know a medic. Medic Rob. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> Dr. Rob to the rescue. Yeah. Dr. I, Rob. It was. Uh, well, Rob not, is not an expert in peeing blood, though. I, that's that is exactly what happened is i received this text message saturday morning at about ten fifteen a.m and it was asking for advice and i mean i i think i initially was telling you like not a good sign like you got to be very careful here and i was a little frantic because it caught me so off guard i've never peed blood my whole life um so trying to like think of who to talk to who's like the expert to hunt down and then i'm like well Alyssa, you know she has certainly you've had surgeries you had your colon removed i'm thinking through like a million facts and then i'm like well she's female she probably wants to talk to a female um so michelle barton was my very first frantic text message and i'm honored I mean, Michelle, you can take it from there, but we set up a group text, and and my main concern with Alyssa was she's in the middle of nowhere. If she has kidney failure... Alone, yeah. Alone, on trails where maybe one person every few hours, if that, passes by. I was was concerned for safety, first and foremost, but uh, yeah, Michelle was very helpful on the, the group text that was set up within a few minutes there yeah well that had happened to me at a race before at the pct 50 so all i know is my own experience so what i wanted to know from Alyssa was if she had pain associated with you know the blood and what kind of what it looked like you know if it was like bright red or what it that helps to know really what it looks like. Um, but, um, she said that she didn't have pain and that was good, but I also really recommend it because that is serious. And the FKT will always be there, you know, like your life, you don't want to mess up your kidneys or permanently damage anything. Um, we all know that's not worth it, but when you're in the moment and you're going for it and you have this goal that's so meaningful and you work so hard for, like, I just, uh, text Rob and I said I think yeah I text Alyssa and Rob and I said uh, I don't think you should continue if it if the blood continues for two more hours just I think you should stop and um, so I'll let you take it from there <laughs> and uh, yeah. tell us what happened yeah so um, I was super grateful for the help um, of both of you guys thinking through it because you know my immediate reaction is gosh anytime you hear someone peeing blood that's a that's a dnf you know you need to stop and and i'm out here pulling my phone out like googling it what do i do and it's actually more of a mixed result on google but you know you're never actually supposed to rely on google for (laughs) medical advice right so but i mean my reason for reaching out to rob was Rob has a lot of experience. Rob knows a lot of people. And then when he brought Michelle and I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome because both of them have a lot of experience versus sometimes when you just go to a regular doctor, you know, they're, they're not always dealing with ultra athletes. And so sometimes, um, there is some gray area 
um, I think medically of what we can do and what's kind of standard operating procedure. Um, so I I was, I I think I recommended even reaching out to your, your coach, your doctor, like, yeah, I was, I was seriously concerned and it was reassuring when Michelle was, you know, saying like, let's give it some time. And then I think we both together were like, you need to just slow down, like get out of the FKT mindset. Yeah. And I, I think at that point I was like, none of this time was I pushing that hard um, because it is, it is long. Um, So I was just kind of cruising along and really trying to drink a lot and, you know, be taking in salt and everything and it would be really red and then we'd get a tiny bit better. I'd be like, Oh, awesome. You know, it's coming around and then it would get red again or really dark yellow and, and there would be periods of like 30 minutes where I would be peeing just a little bit, like a super concentrated amount every five to 10 minutes. And that's no good. I mean, anyone can tell you that's not great. Um, it's also pouring rain at this point. And at this point, my shoes are saturated and my feet are sliding. And so I, it's becoming more and more painful to run to just from my feet standpoint. So I'm like, great, I'm peeing blood and I probably have, yeah. you know, terrible trench foot right now. Um, so, so things are going this well. is fun. What, what mile yeah, is this? Yeah, things are great. Uh, that was on the 90s. Okay. Yeah. So it's good you had the cell comps though, like thankfully since you were um, alone that you had that. And I think I said, Oh, um, can you like have your crew get you some like unsweetened cranberry? <laughs> You're like, I'm actually alone. <laughs> There's nobody. And I'm like, Okay, well when when you pee the next time, don't pee all the way because like sometimes your bladder because it's so dehydrated. Um, it, the lining of your bladder will rub together and cause bleeding. And so that doesn't mean like you're having kidney failure. It doesn't mean like you, you just don't exactly know. And I was like, it was a mystery to me. Like you had no pain. You just had like the urge to keep peeing. But yeah. 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 It was like the urge to keep peeing. But what I was peeing was in it. It was like someone had, I mean, essentially, it's like what they tell you, the scale of dehydration, like the worst possible off the charts kind of, oh, I'm peeing like dark yellow that's almost red. And then sometimes it's red and I'd look at the leaf that I peed on like, oh, my gosh, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Rob and I were like, okay, you know, two hours. That was like, that's what I was thinking, like two hours and see what it's like and and then you were like texting us like oh it's so much better now and I'm like there's no way it's like that's uh, not possible so I don't know what happened then because you were silent for like uh, a long time yeah I kind of tried I was it's one of those things where I was so determined and I was so mentally focused on the task at hand that I was almost lying to myself that I thought it was better um Mm -hmm. and so I thought I'll I'll just keep going forward and I'll go forward enough and try to sleep and hope that sleeping will reset it 
But at this point, it's been pouring for like, I don't know, eight hours. I've been up since two in the morning. It's like eight o'clock. I was, I really wanted to get to the shelter at mile 130, but I was like, I can't, I'm barely moving right now. So I decided to get to shelter at 120. Um, and the last two miles, I was just sobbing and walking. <laughs> and, oh. going, and I was, and it had gotten a tiny bit better. I hadn't been peeing blood for a little bit. And then the last two miles, I started peeing blood again. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just awful. Um, so I get to the shelter. I set up. And once I, I stopped and slowed down and drank a lot of water and everything, I actually started peeing normally. I was oh. like, I, I projectile peeing like and it was clear to yellow like for over a minute just I was it was totally fine and I did that like three times in the night and I thought like my feet when I took my shoes off I was I peeled my socks off almost taking the skin with them because my feet were so saturated and luckily when I woke up in the morning my feet were dry. I'd peed three times normally, and I was like, I'm good to go. I, I'm going to keep going. Everything is fine. Um, so one of the funny decisions I made was that I was so upset that I had wet socks and that my shoes were still soaked. Um, I mm. wore my arm sleeves as socks um, because I didn't what? want to put wet socks back on. It actually worked pretty well. That's a first. Um, were they, yeah, were they yeah. exoskin also? Or? Yeah, I was going to say, I need to tell Croy that his arms sleeves work as extra socks if need be. <laughs> <laughs> but That's, they made so me happier. because Toe were... socks, no toe socks. I think that <laughs> arm would sleeves. be no toe socks. <laughs> Literally, they were... no toes at all. <laughs> They were no socks. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, when there's things that are really, it really bothered me that my socks were soaked. And I, I was like crying, putting my shoes on because I had massive blisters at this point. Because you can have the best socks and shoes in the world. But when you're running in pouring rain for that long in that humidity, nothing is going to yeah. help you. Um, and so that's where I was at. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to put my arm sleeves on my feet because this makes me feel better. So I get up and that night I was kind of like, screw it. I'm going to sleep because I'm at the point where I'm very close to not being able to continue doing this. So it doesn't really matter if I sleep four hours or five hours. Um, so I think I got up at three. I'd gone to bed at like nine thirty. Um, and I was actually in a shelter that night, which that was really nice. I was all alone, though. Um, but it was just nice. What does to... that mean? What is that? Like a, a um, little like cabin a... or something? Yeah. So like an open faced wooden cabin. Um, so there's no front part, but it's just like a platform. And that has a roof. Um, and it's it's off the ground. So you feel a little safer of like snakes and bugs yeah, and stuff sure. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that made me feel better, but I packed everything up and I was, again, I was like, I'm going to do this. This is going to be great. I feel so much better. Um, you know, I'm, and what I, mile are you at? Like, let's, I'm at, at now, like, in, 
120. Yeah. Okay. So um, I take off, and the trail is, like, really runnable. I'm going, this is awesome. I'm going to cruise right along. I have another um, aid box at 142. I'm going to get there. And then I start peeing blood again. I'm like, Uh. are you kidding me? (laughs) Um, And I think what happened is just I was so far gone that if I stopped, I could I things would start to go back to normal, but as soon as I started moving, it was just going to go right back there. Mm. And so as soon as I started putting more effort and energy in, and I was really concentrating on drinking, taking salt, eating, um, and it did not. I, I probably drank two liters in 10 miles, and it did nothing um, to change things. So at this point, I'm like, okay this is not great. Um, I told myself that if it didn't get better in the morning, that that I really needed to stop because Mm. you're now approaching 24 hours of peeing blood and Mm. there's no medical professional that's going to tell you that's a good idea. (laughs) So, yeah, you only went 22 hours more than me and Rob told you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of just kept going, and I don't really know what I was doing. But um, luckily, Cody was actually up. He'd seen me. Uh, he'd been at Chiha when I and I got really quiet when I first discovered it. Um, and he was coming out, and he couldn't. He wasn't helping. Like he can't. He couldn't do anything. But he was just kind of saying hi as moral support. And I got to uh, one of the road crossings he was at. And it was 147. And he was like, look, I think if you're going to keep doing this, that you're going to need to stop at the next um, shelter and just sit there for a while. Because clearly, whenever you move, this is getting worse again. Um, if you want to continue, I would prefer you stop because you're about to go into a wilderness section that's even more remote and I'm leaving. So I can't come get you. And I looked at a sign that said where the shelter was and it was 5.2 miles away. And I just sat down on the trail, took my shoes off and was like, my feet hurt. They're so bad. Cause at this point they're soaked again. <laughs> And I was like, I can't go five miles. And that was kind of the breaking point of my feet were killing me. And I would have pushed through bad feet. Like, you know, feet are bad. It happens. You're going to live. But I knew in the back of my head that 24 hours of peeing blood was a terrible choice to make. And I was actually Mm -hmm. starting to have some stomach pain where there was just some sharp pain in weird places. And Mm. my goal was not to end up in a hospital with this FKT. And I knew that if I continued, that even if I took a big break, I was probably just going to start the same cycle again. And I'd made a promise that if I had it happen again in the morning, I would stop. And I was breaking that promise. And so 
That was the end. Womp, womp, womp. So and did sh- you take any Advil, like, during this whole... What was your total mileage? Um, so my total mileage was 147 in uh, 50 hours with over 20,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a solid deposit in the bank. <laughs> it is. Um, and uh, no, I, so I, I don't take, um, I'm very careful with ibuprofen and all of that because mm-hmm. of my stomach. Um, uh-huh. yeah, so I actually don't really take any of that. Um, I so I think either. that that, yeah, yeah it, it also just really worries me that it's going to mask a pain that I actually really need to listen to. Exactly. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't, though, to be fair, I would have loved anything that would have masked the pain of my feet. Um, but yeah, I, right. I don't, so I don't I, take any of that. I have one, one last question and thank you for sharing so much detail before and then after here and Michelle, uh, your friend Josephine says, hi, just want to throw that in there too. Um, I think she's, hi. she's like your biggest fan. I think you're her spirit animal or something like that. Um, oh yeah, we are spirit animals. So Alyssa, what would you change if anything? Like, it sounds like a lot of this was just kind of like the circumstances and course knowledge in a weird way. Like, would you, is there anything you would have changed besides just like having that extra water and, and paying attention to hydration? Cause it sounds like. There's just a lot of things that happen kind of outside your, you know, your realm that you couldn't really control. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, luckily Cody was able to pick me up and then we drove back together and like 20 minutes into our drive back. He goes, OK, what did we learn? I'm like, oh, my gosh, too soon. Um, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, I can't start <laughs> analyzing this already um is that all you said and then rolled over like uh, no fell asleep I actually, in the car I, I was like nope Alyssa you should analyze because he's right you need to think through this um you know I think the biggest things are I should have put uh, like why didn't I put a Pedialyte in my uh drop boxes the, especially the one where I knew I was heading into dry sections should have done that that was very silly um, or, or some kind of electrolyte should have brought the extra water bottle. You know, there's, I should have put more options in my drop boxes, should have put in a dry set of shoes and socks. Would that have made a huge difference? No, but it would have helped a little bit. Um, I should have carried more water. I should have been more aware of that. Um, do you, do you see this as a failure or do you see this as you've learned like enough to accomplish it if you want to go back? So I thought that I would be, so I've in the past when I've DNF'd, um, I've been absolutely devastated. Like it felt like a blow to my confidence and I don't feel like that with this 
because I, I think that I've grown enough to realize that we don't take on these challenges because we th- we're guaranteed success. We take on these challenges because we're not guaranteed guaranteed success. We do this to see what we can learn um, and how we can expand on who we are and what we come from. And I think I truly did expand. Um, I also look at it is that as ultra runners, we are so fortunate if we get one giant success per year, if that. And I did have something that I'm very proud of that I've accomplished this year. And I'm so fortunate for that. This would have been another incredible thing, but I can't get greedy (laughs) in that either. Um, So I see this as I'm really proud of myself for attempting something self-supported for the first time. Um, I think there were factors out of my control that stacked up from mile one. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm also really proud of, of what I learned, how I can take it forward and how I can apply it in the future. Um, And I actually had a really great conversation with my coach yesterday about moving forward and, and where I wanted to go and who, who I want to be as an athlete. And I'm not sure we would have had that conversation without this failure. And I'm really excited about where I'm going in the future and how we're going to shift um, some focus and my training. And so I'm really grateful for all of those pieces um, That's coming awesome. out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Michelle, yeah, and- I'll I'll leave the last last question to you, my friend. Well, what would you be focusing on, like if COVID wasn't happening and races were going on, like what really would thrill you, you know, to run or race or whatever? It's if it's an adventure, or, you know, what distance or what race would that be? Um, so my my long goal is uh, a really good finish at Tour de Jean. That's mm. my that's my big game goal. So I'm going to do a lot of work to to get there. And will you go back to this trail and go for it again? Um I don't know. We are mm-hmm. moving. Um I'm not sure. I'm actually going to go up next weekend and help with the Pinhoti 100 and um, volunteer for that. And I've made some incredible friends. Um, actually, there's a Pinhoti Outdoor Center that's been incredibly helpful planning and shuttling and, and helping me out and made some lifelong friends there. So like with when I DNF Torjean and Dragon's Back, there's unfinished business there. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually feel really at peace with Pinhoti in a way that I, I didn't expect. And I think that's because my connection there is bigger than the run. Um, so I don't know, but I know that what I did learn will come with me um, for a lot of the future. So, And how are you feeling right now since it only has been like 48 hours since you <laughs> stopped peeing blood and had a horrible feed and everything? Um. So it did take a while to rehydrate. Um, I think I drank like 
10 electrolyte drinks Sunday. Um, but the feet are way better. I'm definitely swollen right now. Still, as I said to Rob, like one minute I feel like, oh yeah, I, I'm going to go on a bike ride. And the next minute I'm like, I need to sit down before my eyes close and I fall asleep. Um, so mm. <laughs> it's that kind yeah. of vacillation of, of energy that comes after any hard effort and, um, eating lots of good food and, um, really excited for what's coming up next. So do you get that DiGiorno in or no? <laughs> I was going to send you one, but then the logistics <laughs> of sending someone a DiGiorno became overwhelming. <laughs> I did not, but I've gotten some awesome Thai food and some awesome salmon tacos. So, oh, I got the tacos for you, Rob. <laughs> well, so, Lisa, where up. are you rest. off to? Where are you off to next? I you am off. You're moving. Yeah, I'm off to come see you, Michelle, in California. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Actually, we have a lot of fires and smoke right now where oh, I live. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But that's beautiful. We'll Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Seriously, a hundred. It's a long way to go. It's 150, 160? Almost 150. That's crazy. 147. So yeah. Rest up, get those feet back to normal start peeing clear or whatever color is normal and uh yeah we wish the best to you since you have to co-host the next episode so <laughs> rest rest awesome. up and michelle you're welcome to co-host anytime i Thanks, truly Rob. appreciate your time and thank you for helping in the heat of the moment when i was truly trying to help Alyssa real time on the trail it was like i I've never peed blood. I I don't know. So I really appreciate both you guys taking the time and what I My leave pleasure. out. Anything else? Ah, oh, thank you guys both. Like really honestly when I reached out to Rob, I was like, I wonder if I'll ask Michelle. That did run through my head of like oh, yeah? I think she does a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, but you know what? All those races that I won. I really didn't learn much, but the races have really exploded. And that's, I mean, that's, I mean, you're going to learn so much and take away so much from this that you will go to Tour de Gien and, and get your goal. Like I am convinced. So yeah, definitely. So just keep learning and you have a great attitude, you know, like just, it's like what Rob says, you know, like no limits. You know, when you were doing your triple crown and all the crazy stuff, I mean, like, what are limits and and just break through it all and prove yeah. everyone that you can do it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's possible. Like, anything is possible if you want it bad enough. Yeah, yeah I'm super impressed. Like, much respect for that run on your own. I can't imagine doing, like, 147-mile run on my own with nobody there. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. a lot of time in my own head, so I'm like, bring me around, people. <laughs> well, let's yeah. let's all stay in touch. Michelle, we'll have you on again. Um, sure. And the three of us can just talk about peeing or whatever it is. So, <laughs> <laughs> some running, okay. some food. 
Um, but no, I appreciate okay. you guys and just have a great night. Thank you again for taking so much time. Great Thanks, job, Alyssa. Thank you. See you, Michelle. Hey, bye, Rob. See ya. Bye. See you, Michelle. See you, Rob. <laughs> And that was episode 151 of the Training for Ultra podcast. Big thank you to Michelle Barton for co-hosting. Alyssa, huge congrats on figuring things out and being so open and honest. I know you're helping people as you share your experience. So really appreciate all the supporters, all the Patreon supporters. Again, big shout out to your Brian David, York Beach runner, Landon, Pat, Jared, Ray, Todd, Matthew, and Scott. You guys are just huge supporters. Really appreciate it. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, Kogala. Couldn't do the show without you. And check out trainforalter.com for those new wraps. Those are available, affordable, kind of a must-have for running when weather gets bad. And last but not least... Look uh, look for the upcoming virtual treasure hunt. We'll combine a bunch of new elements, try to make an adventure, a virtual adventure, where you uh, hopefully will feel inspired to move on to the next level and you got to do certain things. I'm not going to give too much away, but um, I'm excited. Have a great week. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya.